0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin.
1: This episode of Talking Taiwan features part two of my interview with Dr. Peter Tsai, the Taiwanese American inventor of the N95 mask technology. Dr. Tsai talks about how he was called out of retirement to help address the shortage in demand for N95 masks with the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Tsai holds 20 commercial license agreements and 12 U.S. patents. He came out of retirement to figure out how to sterilize N95s for reuse and to help scale up production of the masks. Here's our interview. Right. So that's what happened. You were in retirement, and then people came looking for you because they wanted to improve the N95, and they wanted to know how to scale up the production and all that. And I find it incredible that... um, you willingly took that on and i understand that you weren't even you weren't even necessarily paid for all of your time to do that is that correct
0: yes you know they found me because they needed they needed because uh, the, of the break of the pandemic there was a huge demand of the respirators and uh, the shortage the huge shortage of the respirators. So before we increase the production, they need to reuse the respirator. The respirator was designed to uh, for one time use. Okay, but if there is a shortage, if they throw away the respirator, then they go to the hospital without a protection, right? So but the hospital did not have enough respirator to supply them. So, the health workers were asked to wear the same mask, you know, for a week or even two weeks or so. I, the longest time I heard was two months, right? So, they 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 found out, you know, they uh, invented the material. They want to know, see if there is a way to sterilize the respirator. So, you know, from my experience, i already done this for 30 something years. Not all the experiments were trying to find a way to sterilize the respirators. For example, heat treatment is a way to accelerate the charge decay because there is little charge decay. You cannot detect the charge decay in a short period of time. Okay, so in this way, how can you guarantee you know, see the mask can be used for, can be stored for five years, or well, ten years. You know, see, uh, one of my customers in Los Angeles, their warranty of the share of time is nine years. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they work with me and I did the experiment, and uh, you know, they were they have the warranty of the respirator for nine years, and. Uh, you cannot wait until nine years to see if the decay meet the requirement, right? So what can you do? We use the heat to accelerate the charge decay. Okay. So in uh, as I said just uh, uh, just now, uh, the U.S. N95 standard was issued in 1995. And uh, the European standard was issued in 2001, and the US standard uh, tra- trying to see the ch- charge decay uh, by the, by simulating uh, human body's moisture and heat. So they use 85% relative humidity at 38 degrees C mm-hmm. Celsius. Okay for 25 years at uh, 25 hours i mean 24 hours to see if the efficiency is still there okay so they precondition pre the respirator at 38 degrees c 85 percent ready for 25 hours to see the efficiency is still there okay
1: wow. so they are artificially Um, testing to see what if it will last 24 hours
0: yeah that's right Uh, so uh, that's after 24 hours they they want to see if the efficiency is still there okay but uh, 2001 European Committee trying to make the standard they figure out there was no to decay under the US standard can precondition okay so they developed a new heat uh, temperature to precondition the respirator. They use 70C for 24 hours to, to see if the efficiency is still there, okay? So, you know, during our time I work with my uh, customers to see if their respirators are uh, have still have the efficiency after the precondition of uh, 24 uh, of uh, 70 degrees C for 24 hours and uh, we could not achieve that so we started how to achieve that okay so we already figure out you know see to achieve that so we knew you know the uh, 70 C for 24 hours there is no charge decay okay so and, and uh, the outbreak of the pandemic, then uh, I said, you know, the 70C, 24 hours, there is no charge decay. And we searched the research literature after SARS, a lot of uh, researchers already done uh, research. From 56C to 75C, you know, from 30 minutes to five minutes, kills, I uh, mean, uh, SARS. So if, uh, you know, since COVID-19 is also coronavirus so if that temperature kills SARS you know it it should uh, kill COVID-19 but we cannot say you know it's killed COVID-19 because uh, they are coronavirus but uh, their uh, heat resistance behavior may be different right so I can only say if this temperature kills COVID-19 then, uh, from my experience, it does not degrade the charges. So, in a short time, you know, uh, many researchers in the world, you know, did the experiment, and they showed that uh, 70 degrees C for 30 minutes kills COVID-19, okay. Then, then uh, after that, uh, NIH, in uh, the, Was- the Washington State lab of NIH validated that 73, 60 minutes kill COVID-19. So, so heat so, can be a good way to do the sterilization. So
1: ba- based on all these tests and experiments if they heated the, a used mask right? You're, if they yeah. heated it for an hour at 70, 70 degrees Celsius or higher it would kill the virus and you could yeah. reuse it.
0: That's right. Because uh, I already proved that uh, this heat for this period of time would not degrade the charge. And uh, virologists already proved it killed COVID-19. So it should uh, theorize. And
1: I find it interesting, I heard that since um, you were asked to experiment on this, that you initially did a lot of the experiments at home, right? Because you were not being paid and I don't know if you had access to lab, like, so you were <coughs> testing uh, how to sanitize the masks at home, is that right? Yes,
0: yeah, you know, because uh, my day is no longer there after my retirement. Okay, and I had uh, experiment, you know, before my retirement, so I provided the information I had before my retirement, and then, then uh, after my retirement, a lot of uh, new questions I never thought before, so, uh, you know, it was like a hospital, ask me to see if ozone can cure COVID-19 and uh, it are not degrade the charges. I said, I've done this experiment. And then they said, I can send you an ozone generator. So I use, I put the ozone generator in my van. I put the respirator wow. there, right? Okay. Then I send the respirator back to the manufacturer to do a testing. Then we found that ozone will not degrade the charges, okay. Then, virologists need to test to see if ozone can kill COVID-19, okay? Then, uh, in, uh, before my retirement, in early 1990s, when I developed this technology, a company worked with me, used steam, that is something like autoclave, 121 degrees each steam to sterilize my charging material and uh, their purpose was not to reuse the material. Their purpose was to sterilize the material to make the respirator or the mask for old people to wear in the hospital because uh, there are germs in the air, right? So they need to sterilize the germs in the material before they use, okay? And they found that you know, 121 steam, 121 she steam could uh, wear not the charges. Okay, so I know, you know, if you use the steam, then you can do the sterilization without the charge decay, okay? But uh, after that, I did the did experiment, you know, because a respirator is made of different materials, outside there and inside there and it is for selected charged material is the middle layer okay and the outside layer and the middle layer are made of different materials and some material can cannot resist the heat so they are deformed okay some material cannot resist the steam or the water okay so they are deformed they change the shape okay so the fitting is not is not good anymore this is I did not de- do that kind of experiment before. I only did the experiment on the electrostatic charging material.
1: Mm, interesting. So, yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of things to consider because there's other materials involved. Interesting.
0: Yeah, right. So something like uh, to steam or to spoil the respirators. That is something I could do in a kitchen, right? <laughs> then I found it, uh, I found out it's deformed. Okay, then it cannot be used to sterilization. And uh, before my retirement, uh, several years ago, uh, new standards came out to erase the charges before they did a testing. Okay, that these kind of standards uh, in the U.S. and in Europe because for some air filter application the, the charges are not suitable for their application so they need to erase the charges to test your filter's efficiency and they figure out alcohol is a way to erase the charges okay so i already done the experiment and there's already been in a standard to erase the charges so then uh, i provided information that alcohol cannot be used to sterilize the respirator for reuse because erases the charges oh. okay so, so
1: if they erase the charge then they would recharge it with the correct level for whatever the application is is that why they would erase it
0: many people ask me this question <laughs> but uh, unfortunately it cannot be recharged oh because we charge, we only charge the flat fabric.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: After making into the respirator, it's a three space, three dimensional space, mm-hmm. okay? Then you cannot be recharged, that, that's the problem, okay? So, mm-hmm. and uh, 75% ethanol was validated by Washington lab, Washington state lab of NIH to sterilize COVID-19. But not, they, they validate the, 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 uh, these can sterilize COVID-19, but they did not say these can be used to sterilize respirator, right? right. They validate it sterilize COVID-19, you know, for example, you can use this 75% ethanol to sterilize a mask to dispose. So janitor, when they pick up the respirator, they will not get infected, right? Or for uh, cellophane, you can use 75% ethanol to sterilize the surface, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. So no, that's so. an important distinction because you want to sterilize the outside, but it doesn't mean that the mask can be reused. It's just sterilized so if somebody else touches it, then they uh, it's safe for them to pick up, right?
0: That's right. And oh. also, you can use this alcohol to sterilize the material, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, like a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Because it was just reported two days ago that uh, COVID 19 can survive for 28 days on a smooth surface. Wow,
1: 28 like days.
0: <laughs> okay, 25, 28 days. So you can use ethanol you know, to sterilize it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Before, yeah. You it. Yeah. before you touch it. Before you touch it. Okay, so, you yeah, know, and also, uh, people ask me see if uh, uh respirator is washable. Uh, because uh, uh, the time when I developed this material, we did an experiment by immersing the fabric into water for three days. Then we take it out, then we dry it, we test the efficiency. Efficiency is still there. Oh so so I provided information you know if it comes in contact with uh, water, the respirator if the, water, if the respirator comes in contact with water or at a high humidity environment, it doesn't have a charge decay. okay but but uh, we use soap water to wash the respirator, then it, the charges are gone. Oh. okay. So after that, you know, see, I uh, provided this information. You know, it's okay at high humidity, and uh, it's okay even you it, it in contact when it rains
1: uh, right. with the water. If it gets okay. wet or you submerge it in water, it's, it's okay.
0: It's okay, yeah, right. But you cannot wash it with soap.
1: That's interesting. Wow.
0: Yeah, so that's good to know. You know yes.
1: See. Yeah.
0: yeah. A reporter interviewed me when she asked me this question. Then uh, she said, "Oh, it's good to know. You know, see, or our companies, company's uh, respirators are down round- You know, see, uh usually soap. <laughs> they use they use soap in the laundry machine. Oh no. To, to wash the respirator. <laughs> then they say, oh. Oh, that's bad. They say it's it's good to know. You know, see, uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> do not.
1: not That's right. Right. Could you have ever imagined, like, in your work, doing what you do, that a material or technology that you created would become so important and life-saving? I mean, that's pretty incredible.
0: Not... uh, I did not expect something like this, because uh, before the pandemic, a respirator was uh, just a common product. No, no people paid attention to it because it's, diff- it's easy to get a respirator at a cheap price, right? And uh, at the outbreak of the pandemic, then there is a huge demand. So the demand is much higher than the supply. So people pay attention to where to get the resources and how to sterilize the respirator. So they come to see me. And uh, I answer them questions so that made me very, very busy. Uh, And (laughs) I receive a lot of uh, emails. And each email is a matter of life. So I need to respond, (laughs) okay? Then uh, after that, you know, I see companies are trying to make the products. And uh, they need to have the analogy, how to do it, Mm -hmm. right? So then uh, because the media interviewed me so they know me and they try to find a way to find me. You know, see, some some people find me directly, I don't know how they, they Google it or something. And uh, the other people found me through university and uh, I, fo- I received an email. You know, uh, company or a physician, I don't quite, I don't remember, uh, from the hospital. And they, she tried to find me and she Googled it, she said that uh, they are, she played a joke, she said they are more than one million Peter Tsai PhD. <laughs> 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 yeah, more than one million Peter Tsai PhD from Google <laughs> and uh, she was wondering PhD was my last name <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's funny so she,
0: because she found more than one million wow. Peter P. Chai PhDs <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and uh, she finally found me uh, so <laughs> a lot of uh, stories during this period of time because a lot of people contacted me
1: yeah. So you're not yeah. retired at all, Doctor Tsai. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you're retired at all. You're so busy now, harder. right?
0: I work harder than, be- than uh, before my retirement.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah,
0: much much harder because a lot of emails yeah. jumped in every day. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Then uh, a lot of questions went to the university, mm-hmm. and uh, they forward the emails to me. Then I said, oh, not to, not uh, more than uh, I can handle. So I said I could compile all the questions into an article and they uh, they were willing to post it. Then after they post uh, the article, more questions than uh, <laughs> before I compile all the questions. Okay. Because uh, after they post it, then uh, more people know me, right? So, and they have more questions. So, <laughs> so more people uh, know me, so more questions from the right. new people.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, well, um, I hope so. you have a team of people working with you um, that's not just you. I mean, that sounds like a lot of work.
0: Yeah, right. But uh, if you. Want to develop something, you may need to have people with a uh, different expertise. Mm-hmm. But um, almost all the questions to me are uh, my uh, experiment before. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I see. I, I, so
1: you c- you're yeah. the only one that can answer it.
0: That, that's right, and because uh, respirator is uh, not a profit industries in the U- in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right. Is non-profitable in mm. the U.S., mm. so not many people doing this research. And uh, for my customers in the U.S., you know, they will not answer the questions because uh, they are producers, and the producers would not like to would not like to provide any information. Right. <laughs> one one reason is because uh, they want to encounter with their competitors. Mm. The other reason is uh, they don't want to take the responsibility of something they said is not... Liability. Liability is something like that, right? Okay. So so I said everything from my experience in terms of material. So, you know, and I provide the information of the material and then uh, virologists need to do the experiment. Okay, that's not my scope. Mm-hmm. So that's a combination of all the information. And uh, after I provided information, then I'm provided by many resources with uh, information also. So I combine what the information is together. So so the improvement or the increase of the information, you know, it's, it, 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 grows rapidly, so that nice is a good, you know, to know something too, and uh, I make a lot of the friends too, during this period
1: That's yeah. a good way to look at it. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, I mean.
1: Um, so I'm curious, like, about, um, you work with Oak Ridge Labs, and you're able to help them scale up their production of N95 masks to 9,000 masks per hour? Um, Can you tell me, like, how did you do that?
0: Oh, you know, because uh, uh, my my neighbor, just uh, a few blocks away, Uh
1: uh,
0: during our uh, annual what is that uh, uh, the the meeting of uh, subdivision,
1: Mm.
0: okay. I gave them the respirators one time and uh, so they uh, have the memory you know I developed the technology Mm -hmm. to make the media and uh, her husband worked at Oak Ridge so he talked to the president of the University of Tennessee to try to try uh, to, to fund me to help Oak Ridge and Oak Ridge has a pattern line to make the precursor of the carbon fibers. That is the same process to make microfibers, but their design is a little bit different, and the processing parameters are different too. So I have them to modify the line and uh, to adjust the processing parameters, and I moved my uh, Pilot charger, the pilot charging device to install in the pilot line to do the charging. So in a short time we could make the microfibers and we could do the charging. So their pilot line is not wide, so they could only make uh, nine thousand, as you said, nine thousand an hour mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Then after that we work together to help the industry to make, uh, to uh, modify, similar uh, uh, process to make microfibers. So a company we have, just about 100 miles away from us, they could make the material to make 2 million pieces of respirator a day.
1: Wow, really?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Then after that, we have many uh, respirator converters, okay? And uh, one after another is opening to make the respirator, okay? And uh, uh, the one we have in uh, Florida, they hired 1,200 people to make 3.5 million pieces a day, wow. <laughs> okay? Then, uh, a company in uh, New York, I helped. They are going to open in a few days, okay? And they say they want to send a driver to take me for the opening ceremony.
1: Oh, that's
0: <laughs> wonderful. Okay, so, so you know, see, something like this. Uh, you know, see, we have, in the very beginning, you know, I have provide information to do sterilization. Then after that, we have the industries to make the production of the media and the respirators. So, so, so we got these two things.
1: So it must be tremendously rewarding knowing that you're doing all this. But I mean, hearing all these examples, I wonder why we still hear there's so many shortages.
0: Yeah, there is a security, but uh, I heard that it's not uh, that bad as before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, also because the, the increase of the, the, the cases. If there is an increase of the, the cases, then uh, it is still a demand there, you know, so. If the cases flatten out, then uh, the demand Should not be that high but uh, if the infections case is increasing then there is an increase of the demand Mm -hmm. so that's something so so uh, i don't know for sure how much shortage at this time yeah Uh, but but uh, i heard uh, from the medical personnel they say it's better now so Mm
1: you know
0: because i as I know and there is a increase a huge increase of production okay so so and uh, we relied on import in the very beginning okay and uh, the infected infected countries they restrict their export export during not period of time so not, not, you know before the pandemic, You know, they want to export, you know, to do the, to do the business, right? Yeah. But if they need it, they control it, and we need it. So
1: that's what caused the shortage.
0: That's right. This is why U.S. government try to see if we can uh, make this kind of a PPE by by our service. So we don't need to rely on on other countries.
1: Right. Um, So, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's so inspiring to see that you're still so dedicated and spending all this time, but clearly I think that you really enjoy what you're doing and you're always very interested in knowing how to um, improve the technology and come up with new inventions.
0: Yeah, I think uh, knowledge is very important. You you need to have neurology so you know how it works, why it works, then uh, from there you can think, you know, what what, something new you can develop. And uh, from my experience, I think doing is very important too. So most of the time I did experiment by myself, okay. Then I, I, when I took a courses, I took a courses uh, w- from many different departments. So I, I integrate all this background together. So if you want to do something, that need to have the background of electricity. You need to hire electrical engineer, right? Something you know, not uh, needs physics. You need to hire a physicist, right? Then. Uh, you need to combine all them together and uh, something that that is difficult is to combine all the different disciplines together right and uh, in my mind uh, already integrated all this together then I did experiment by myself, so I can think something, you know, to develop or something I need to do further. So, yeah, uh, uh, in mo- many professors, they spend time in writing proposals. Then after they get grant, they ask the student to do the experiment. Okay, and uh, the student, student do not have much experience. Mm. So they provided the wrong information to the professors. <laughs> okay? And uh, you can use the data to do a publication, but uh, it, it's, uh, you know, you cannot uh, use this data to make the powerlapse, okay? So quite often, you know, the, uh, when a professor uh, publishes the paper, They said they could make something like, in my field, they said they could make fiber from some kind of material. So people in the industry called me, oh, your professor friend could make what kind of fiber using what kind of material? I said, how many fibers? One fiber a day? (laughs) If you could make one fiber a day, then you could do the publication, right? But you cannot make a product. You can do the production. Okay. So, so I think uh, from my experience is uh, to create something by thinking. And uh, when you think something, you need to do something so you can think something. So many people industries call me as as a screwdriver professor. Not the pencil professor. (laughs) Not the pencil professor, right? So, when I go to do the projects in the field with my customers, I work for them to see. Okay, so I could use a screwdriver to do the work for them to see. Okay, so so, I learn from doing. And, uh, you know, to do, I use my... Not figure on to do something. Then I learn something new by doing, not just my experiments.
1: Right. So you're saying it's more important to, besides just the theory, to actually execute it and to test it and to, um, actually do something and see how it works in the real world. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge is important, so you know what to do then uh, if you want to develop something new, then you need to do, then you think.
1: Yeah, I wonder how many scientists take your approach, and maybe that's why you're so valuable, because you are very hands-on.
0: Yeah, oh, okay. Uh, You know, see, because uh, I'm uh, industry-oriented, so to do something is very important, but something is developed from theory, okay, so, so then uh, they use, need to use pencil more a day, that's mm-hmm. different. Right. I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying everything is developed from doing, okay, depending on your field. My field is uh, industry oriented, so, and my final product is, my final result is to make the product. That is different.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. thank you for that distinction because uh, we need all different types of scientists. Some people are, are doing the theory and then people will take the theory and then, like, you create use that to create something that can be used in the industry and sold as an actual product. Um, but, yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share, like, anything about this whole journey, about... Um, creating the technology for the n 95 being called out of retirement, and what you're doing these days. Would you like to share any other stories with my listeners?
0: I think uh, uh, you need to be enthusiastic. You know, because I I have the knowledge. But uh, if I don't come out from retirement, my, my knowledge is there right people cannot use the knowledge i have to find a way to do a sterilization and uh, probably they could figure it out but it takes a much longer time you know there is a group it's called n95 Mm decon they contacted me to get information and they did not have the experience about the material i have worked so I have worked for 35 years so you know see that saves them a lot of time to get the information okay then they can do uh, something else you know using my information like uh, for the neurologist for the virologist to do experiments see if uh, they can the, use the information I provide to kill COVID-19 okay so that's a combination of virologist and uh, material scientist okay so if without the material scientist scientists like me to provide them the information then they don't know even that way could kill COVID-19 but they don't know that way we erase the charges or not they did not even know you know see the, how the material in the N95 worked and they did not even know their charges there, right? So, so so if I provide them this information, then that saves them a lot of our time. And, and also, because uh, I came out to help the industries so they can convert their lines to make the media in a short time, right? But for the industries, they're already making these products. They will not like to share the information with other industries for them to make the same products. Yeah. <laughs> right? So so that is something different. And uh, you know see I so I thought I, I felt obligated to do something, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, so to help people when uh, in this difficult time, right? So so this is why I came out. To,
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's so incredible that you're able to use your expertise and you're so willingly to help people, um, you know, not just because you know that it's going to help people to either do something faster or for the greater good. It's really very inspiring and so admirable to see that you're doing that. I'm not sure how many people would take that approach.
0: Yeah, yes, you know, if there is no epidemic, then uh, I could only help my customers, you know, see, to make the products. And now a lot of uh, new industries doing this kind of products. So, so that, that is uh, uh, something different, you know. See, that, that I, I, we we could say not to expand, you know, my horizon of uh, the, the application of the technology, you know, see, if you have an wrong GDS, an application, that is nothing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and there are more companies want to apply my knowledge or my experience to do something, right? So, so it becomes more variable.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. do hope that you do take care of yourself, um, you know, there's so much demand on you, but that you always need to take care of yourself and your family, and um, yeah, you know, because it yes. sounds like you're working so hard, like you're working harder than when you were um, not retired, so yeah, and I just don't know how to thank you for, um, you know, all the work that you're doing to help. With this pandemic it's so invaluable
0: yeah it's better now you know in the very really beginning of uh pandemic then uh, a lot of pressure a lot of work to do and uh what i should should have already been helped yeah, so, that's
1: good How, so what is your uh, schedule like these days do you work uh, like a full day or like do you work every day
0: yeah you know, I work at home, so I can work anytime. Okay. So uh, there are a lot of emails to reply. And after the industry, the industries start to make the products, they will encounter new questions or problems. Yeah. So then I need to uh, respond.
1: <laughs>
0: so so I have uh, new inquiries new questions or different questions at different times.
1: Right.
0: But but it now it's better, it's not that much pressure as in the very beginning.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. thank you very much, Dr. Tsai, I really appreciate this. Um, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
0: My pleasure.
1: I've been speaking with Dr. Peter Tsai, the Taiwanese-American inventor of the N95 mask technology. Amid the coronavirus pandemic, he was called to come out of retirement to figure out how to sterilize N95s for reuse and to help scale up production of the masks. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Heng.
0: Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.